All right. Good morning. Praise the Lord. Thanks for those uh, testimonies and answers to the various questions. So this morning, uh, we're going to talk about truth. And Adrian had been uh, studying this issue over a period of time on our Bible studies. And, you know, we got having some conversations. And as we dug into it, we just realized, well, this is, this is pretty important in our life. So I want to build the foundation first of our topic. And the first part of this is that belief, belief is an inward and an individual conviction. Truth is an outward actuality. It's provable. It's observable. So you see those two, the difference in the two? Belief is an inward individual conviction, and truth is an outward actuality, and it's provable and observable. When belief and truth combine, in the middle there, the overlap, that's where we get knowledge. So knowledge is that overlap of truth and belief. From there, with prudent, ethical, and practical application of knowledge comes wisdom. Okay, so we've, we've got the equation there. We, we've got belief, we've got truth, we've got the overlap. That overlap area is knowledge, and from knowledge comes wisdom. What happens when truth is removed from this diagram, from this equation. Both knowledge and wisdom disappear. See how that works? Um, belief is nothing more than opinion. We said it's an inward conviction. I'm not talking about faith, I'm talking about belief. And currently, the world tells us Truth is relative. You've all heard it. Your truth is your truth, and my truth is my truth. And they may be different, but they're both true. There's no single truth. Uh, truth is not fixed or factual. It boils down to its opinion. And when we get there, the resulting message is there is no truth, only belief. Truth has been taken away. There's nothing foundational outside of your own beliefs. That's what happens when truth is taken away. And this is the fallacy of that bumper sticker uh, coexist, or why can't we all just get along? It's because... We can't all agree on one truth. So no wonder mental health is seemingly increasing across our society. Decreasing. Sorry? Mental health is decreasing. 
mental health well, illness is increasing. You're right. Yeah. Good. <laughs> yeah. You don't know what you're doing. What she said. <laughs> so it was no solid uh, structure and a wandering, uh, unstable reality. The human mind becomes unstable. Jesus knew this. In fact, he talked about it. He confronted even the Pharisees and the lawyers in his day. Let's take a look at that a little bit. Turn with me in your scriptures to Luke 11. Luke 11, 52. Are you there? Jesus says, Woe to you lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter yourself, and you hindered those who were entering. So this, this key of knowledge was taken away because they had taken truth away. They had locked up the truth of the scriptures and thrown away the key, figuratively, by imposing their faulty interpretations and human traditions on God's word. So if you've studied um, the Old Testament, you'll see and you know, you recognize how um, the, the Jews and the Pharisees just could not receive Jesus because they were so stuck on the law. And they, were, in fact, they were oppressing the people because of their um, take on the law, building, adding to it, and oppressing people. Um, the key of knowledge is, is not the key to open knowledge. It's the only key which is to open heaven. The key of knowledge is to open heaven. And what Jesus is saying is, you've taken that away, and you, you're not entering, and you're holding back other people from entering. That's a, that's a bad place to be. So in a sense, Jesus accused them of shutting that door to heaven, of taking away the key. Remember how Jesus says, I am the door. I am the gate. I think one of the studies I was reading says is, is he also is referring to here himself. The key of knowledge is Jesus. Because he is the way, the truth, and the light. And they're and they're trying to block people from going even when he was on earth, mm -hmm. trying to block people from seeing him and seeing the truth. Yes. So a right knowledge of God's word is eternal life. And they had taken it away from the people, substituting it for their wretched traditions and philosophies. <laughs> this is exactly what's happening today in the church and outside the church. Just as Jesus warned it would. This is not a surprise to him. The world's teachings have consumed 
much of the Christian church. And it did start three years ago. It started centuries ago. But, yes, agreed. It has blossomed recently. And subjective truth has become the prevailing truth. Good has become evil, and evil has become good. Let's see what else Jesus says about this. Turn to Matthew 23, verse 13. We're going to go through a, a number of scriptures today, so have your page turning fingers ready. Jesus says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. For you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. So Jesus is calling them out. And I think often as Christians, we can read this, we can read it, and we look at it from a historical standpoint. But we have to ask, are we doing the same thing? Is, is the way that we're walking out our faith and living our faith shutting the kingdom of heaven, the door for people? Are we blocking them, preventing them from coming in? Let's see what else God says. Um, turn to your left to Malachi 2. Verses 7 and 8. For the lips of a priest should guard knowledge, and people should seek instruction from his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. But you have turned aside from the way. You have caused many to stumble by your instruction. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. Strong medicine, strong statement, and it holds true today. And I want to be the first to say, if your church or your pastor is not guarding knowledge, he is not a messenger of the Lord of hosts. (laughs) And you should not seek instruction from him. And I'm, I'm saying that about every church, every pastor, including myself. If, if I am not guarding knowledge, if I am not preaching the truth, you shouldn't seek instruction from me. Turn to Romans 2. Daniel always kept saying that um, I'll always speak the truth and if you don't want to hear it, don't ask me. Remember? Yeah. (laughs) All right, are you there? Romans 2. We're going to read 17 through 24. So this is Paul writing. But if you call yourself a Jew, and remember, this is after Jesus has already been crucified, has been raised from the dead, he's already ascended back to heaven. The church, the Christian church had been birthed. They were meeting the gathering, and the, you know, the gospel was going out. So that's our 
frame of reference. So Paul now is speaking to Jews, again, still trying to convert them to Christianity. He says, if you call yourself a Jew and you rely on the law and boast in God and you know his will and you approve what is excellent because you are instructed from the law, and if you are sure that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of children, having the in the law the embodiment of intelligent truth. You then, who teach others, do you not teach yourself? While you preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law, dishonor God by breaking the law. For it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. So again, we need to be careful about being proud, about it being arrogant, about um, you know, pretending or claiming that we know everything. And um, I think that the main thing that uh, we, we should recognize again is we're, we're all responsible for knowing that Bible ourselves too. How else can we hold the leaders accountable if we don't know? So this is why we keep saying, let's see what the Bible says first. So whenever we're having a discussion and it it gravitates towards values, ethics, religion, Christianity, faith, those type of things, and you you have a conviction and a, 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 a belief, we should always see what the Bible says first. I, I, a lot of times when I do that, I'm like, well, maybe I was a little bit off here. Because man is fallible. And religious leaders are not spiritually above others. Um, woe to me if I claim to know the Bible better than everyone else. I'm having to learn it as I go through life just like everybody here. And when the uh, spiritual leaders put on the robes, and they give out titles of honor and hierarchy. Humility and truth usually go out the window. And these types of leaders often have substituted themselves for the Bible. They will um, elevate their opinion, their conviction, their teaching above what the Bible says. So they become the authority, not the Bible. And often they are so influenced by popular opinion and influencers rather than the Bible. Most of us have more worldly thinking in us than we have Bible knowledge. Most of us went to the schools of the world and we learned the teachings of the world. For example, evolution, um, the removal of prayer and Bible in school and was taken out and not used as an actual part of learning or truth. Science has become what political figures tell us it is. So 
The result is, as adults, we have had to learn truth. We had to learn what truth really is. And we had to unlearn the so-called truth of the world. Uh, I've told you this story before. Uh, as when Ada and I were first married and we were having children and, you know, they were one and two and three and, and we, Avery raised that crazy idea of, well, why don't we homeschool? Crazy. <laughs> and uh, you know, what it really meant was, why don't you homeschool them because I'm at work. <laughs> um, then I had to wrestle with evolution and creation. I mean, how much did I really know about creation? So I had to study, study, study. What are we going to teach our kids about creation and evolution? And as I did, I discovered how much wrong stuff I knew. <laughs> and what did I learn? I, I got mad. I'm saying, how could I go all the way through public school all these years in college and they've been teaching me the wrong thing all the whole time? It's kind of hard to unlearn something, isn't it? You know, we get something in us and it becomes a solid conviction and we have to unlearn some things. And the fact of the matter is we've got to have that shield up, that shield of faith because daily the truth of the world which is not really true, is thrown at us every moment, every hour, every day. Well, you just have to remember who's the creator of the truth of the world. The yeah. father of lies yeah. creates the truth of the world, so it's not the truth. Yeah. Next slide. So, maybe we should ask the question, how then do we gain knowledge, wisdom, and understanding? Turn with me uh, back to Proverbs, and we'll pick up a few verses from Proverbs. We're going to do chapter 1, verse 7. Are you there? Proverbs, Proverbs 1, 7. I'm sure many of you have this memorized. We often teach the Sunday school kids these uh, to memorize them. The fear of the Lord... Is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So if we get to the point where we're too proud to take in um, teaching from the Bible and we're, we've become unteachable, we're a fool. We need to remain teachable. Uh, Proverbs 2, verse 6 don't worry, we're not going to go through one of every proverb. <laughs> Proverbs 2, verse 6. For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come <coughs> knowledge and understanding. <coughs> so this is, the source of wisdom is God. And knowledge and understanding comes from his wisdom. And he pours it out to us. So if we're feeling like I, I need wisdom for something, an issue, a topic, a, a decision. You know, he tells us, and James tells us, ask him for wisdom. So take a moment, pause, ask God for wisdom in something. Sometimes before we speak, you know, James tells us to be slow to speak, and if we're asking for wisdom before we speak, 
hopefully our speaking will be a little bit better. Uh, Proverbs 2, verse 10. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. So, knowledge is going to be pleasant. Uh, we should desire godly knowledge. We should desire it. Uh, Proverbs 9, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Knowledge of the Holy One. In other words, if there's no truth, there's no wisdom. And in order to gain truth, to know what truth is, it's found in Jesus, Jesus alone. So we have to seek him in order to gain truth so that we would have knowledge when it's combined with our belief, that we would have wisdom and understanding that comes from that knowledge, which is the knowledge of God. How important is truth to God today? How important is, is it? Turn with me to Hosea 4. So uh, let's see here. It should be in Proverbs. It, uh, go to your right a number of uh, books. And past Ezekiel and Daniel. And pretty shortly should arrive at Hosea. And we're going to read chapter 4. Hosea 4. Are you there? Okay. Hear the word of the Lord, O children of Israel. For the Lord has a controversy with the inhabitants of the land. There is no faithfulness or steadfast love and no knowledge of God in the land. There is swearing, lying, murder, stealing, and committing adultery. They break all bounds, and bloodshed follows bloodshed. Therefore the land mourns, and all who dwell in it languish, and also the beasts of the field and the birds of the heavens and even the fish of the sea are taken away. Yet let no one contend, and let none accuse, for with you is my contention, O priest. You shall stumble by day, and the prophet also shall stumble with you by night, and I will destroy your mother. My people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. You've heard that one before, no doubt. Because you have rejected knowledge. I reject you from being a priest to me. <coughs> and since you have forgotten the law of your God, I also will forget your children. The more they increase, the more they sin against me. And I will change their glory into shame. They feed on the sin of my people. They are greedy for their iniquity, and it shall be like people, like priests. I will punish them for their ways and repay them for their deeds. They shall eat, but not be satisfied. They shall play the whore, but not multiply, because they have forsaken the Lord to cherish whoredom, wine, and new wine. So he's really, really chastising the priest here. They, they, their job, they were charged with 
being an intermediary between the people and God. And they've really drifted from God. Uh, verse 12. My people inquire of a piece of wood, and their walking staff gives them oracles. For a spirit of whoredom has led them astray, and they left their God to play the whore. They sacrifice on the tops of the mountains, and they burn offerings on the hills. Under oak, poplar, and terebinth, because their shade is good. Therefore, your daughters play the whore, and your brides commit adultery. I will not punish your daughters when they play the whore, nor your brides when they commit adultery. For the men themselves go aside with prostitutes and sacrifice with cult prostitutes, and the people without understanding shall come to ruin. So leaders were leading the people away from God into sin. And God was telling them how much he was going to hold these leaders accountable. And we need to hold our church leaders accountable in the same way. Though you play the whore, O Israel, I'm in verse 15, let not Judah become guilty. Enter not into Gilgal, nor go up to Bethaven, and swear not as the Lord lives. Like a stubborn heifer, Israel is stubborn. And now, can the Lord now feed them like a lamb in the broad pasture? Ephraim is joined to idols. Leave them alone. When their drink is gone, they give themselves to whoring. Their rulers dearly love shame. A wind has wrapped them in its wings, and they shall be ashamed because of their sacrifices. So in today's uh, time period where we're at in God's calendar, truth must be upheld by the church and their leaders. We need to uphold truth. It's not going to come to us from the world. We need to be those custodians of truth. We are his people. And the church is being destroyed because it has departed from biblical truth. As truth is taken away, remember we had that little graph, the truth is taken away, the key of knowledge is lost too. And many church leaders are at fault for this. So, be discerning about who your church leaders are. Be discerning. Losing the key of knowledge affects entrance into heaven. This is a huge equation. Anything taught or prophesied in this church needs to be found in the Bible. Either the actual scripture or the faithful proper interpretation. <coughs> we aren't here to be friends with the world. The Bible condemns that in James 4, 4. Rather, we're here to bring people out of the world, to bring them out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. We need to be about, when we go out in the world, it's like a mission trip, to go snag people out of Satan's clutches and bring them into the church, have them join in the family, be in the kingdom of light, be in God's family. And as such, we need to be a truth-filled church. You may think I'm being unreasonable or obstinate or judgmental by insisting on this. Especially 
Because a lot of times the biblical teaching can be offensive to the world's values or can be uh, in opposition to other heretical biblical teaching and values, <coughs> which might be near and dear to you. So I ask of you to be teachable, to, to measure things that I say <coughs> or teach, testing it against the scriptures. So, at the end of the day, Jesus is asking us, who do you say I am? What is he asking when he asks the apostles that? When he asks us, what is he asking? What's the meaning of that question? Who do you say that I am? In one sense, he's asking, do you believe he is the truth? Do you believe he is the truth? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man goes unto the Father except through me. That is one of the truths of Scripture that the world and skeptics really rail against. How can you be so judgmental and so exclusive? There's got to be more than one way. There's other ways. I mean, this way looks good, that way looks good, and this way works. How can it be just one way? Well, Jesus said it, and the question is, do we believe him? Do we follow that? And when Jesus says to us that such and such is a sin, do we believe him? Or do we say to Jesus, that could be a little harsh there, Jesus. You know, things are different now. We forget that he knows the end from the beginning. We're in this little circle of time, and he's eternal. He's outside time. So yes, he knows. (laughs) And when Jesus says to everyone, every one of you, anyone who wants to receive eternal life, wants to be with me in heaven, you must believe in me. Do we believe him? When he says that if if you don't believe in him, you've condemned yourself to hell, do we then ask Jesus, we challenge you, well, is it really a heaven and a hell? I mean, is it just, you know, this or that? Bottom line is, Jesus is the truth. He is defined truth. He is the word. And this is, this is where we need to be spiritually submitting to the word of God, seeking out his word as we build our convictions, as we decide how we're going to approach life. Things happen in life that we didn't plan on, right? I mean, things come up. Uh, We might be driving along, get in a car wreck, or we might be walking along and fall. I mean, things happen that we cannot predict. And the question is, when they do, who do we turn to? Who do we put our faith in? When the world comes against you and and tries to bring, um, you know, 
things to you that you should do or to uh, get you to feel like, well, maybe God really isn't all that loving. Maybe he really isn't that kind. Maybe God doesn't really even see what's going on. You know, God really didn't even answer my prayer last week. Are we going to hang into the God's truth? Are we going to, when we have those doubts, are we going to look into Scripture to see what we can find <coughs> to answer that question instead of you know, going on Facebook and getting a bunch of opinions? So Jesus has said that he's the author and perfecter of our faith, the author and perfecter of our faith. All righty. Um, boy, that went pretty quick, <laughs> at least from my side of the clock. Yeah, there was the timer. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I got that before the timer. Uh, so do you have any uh, any things you want to add in or questions and discussion points? Did, but you, you already answered all of them. Okay. Awesome. I just think we got to be aware of, I don't know if anybody, you know, in the world today, if you speak truth, you're going to get prosecuted. So mm -hmm. uh, people are going to come against you. You can you can tell any lie you want to lie, and the world thinks that that's okay. But if you speak truth, uh, you're going to pay a price. And we just need to be prepared to, to speak truth and to pay the price because uh, that's what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. anyway. You by any chance still got story. that video of the preacher that he is this and he is that and he is this. You, you by any chance got that? Yeah. I know a lot of these people haven't heard it. You played that years ago and we've been through so many people. You play that very quick. Well, you guys it goes with the sermon. Okay. Everybody, you got a few minutes? Yeah, yeah, sure. Know. You know, oh, yeah, you know, I'm love this. Have you, you ever been snowed in at church or you couldn't go home? <laughs> well, we might happen today. <laughs> I got some. Uh, so I saw a clip, um, and it was taken from Joe Rogan's interview, and he was talking about how Christianity is the most criticized religion in the world. You know, if you look at like Hinduism and Buddhism, they're almost like seen as respectful in this world. You know, like oh, like they're spiritual and they're this and they're that. But they are the distraction. They are here by the devil's work to be, you know, to pull you away from Christianity. And yeah. that's why Christianity, because it's the truth, is constantly attacked by the devil and trying to build up these other things and trying to bring us down. Um, so, yeah, there's a spiritual world, war going on. Honestly, and if you speak I, the truth, you're going to be attacked. I have to, uh, I'm sorry, I got to get you just to a point that I just think it's just another way of looking at things. People from different parts of the world didn't have the same uh, opportunities that we did to see things in the light that we do. So they've got to take what they have inside and, and find their own spirituality and I don't think there's anything wrong with the way that they find their spirituality maybe it's not correct but if it makes them happy inside eternally peaceful inside it doesn't matter I mean, isn't that what it's all about there's eternal 
No. So will they be saved in the end? Is that not what it's about? Yeah, it, it, that, but that's not what it's all about. <laughs> it's not all about eternal peace. No. no, it's it's about eternal salvation. It's not about how you feel right now. It's not about whatever spiritual findings. It, it's truth. about God's truth. Yeah, we, sorry. Well, thank George, you hang in there. No, thank you, folks. I appreciate you. I bless you. kindness. I, I love you all eternally. <laughs> and I always will. You are my fellow human beings. All right, you ready? Yep. Pretty sure it's going to be welcome. Time to go to another one. Oh, God. <laughs> He's a king of the Jews. He's a king of Israel. He's a king of righteousness. He's a king of the ages. He's a king of heaven. He's a king of glory. He's a king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless lust. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's a centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's the key to knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway of peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. Uh, I wish I could describe him to you. He's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. You can't get him out of your mind. You can't. You can't get him off of your hands. 
You can't outlive him and you can't live without him. The Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him. And the grave couldn't hold him. Yeah, that's my king. That's my king. Do you know who that is? No. Nope, it's uh, old time pastors. Uh, it says on the first slide. The voice sounds like it. Uh, Dr. Lockridge, in 1976. Ooh. Yeah. All right, well, let's uh, gather around and pray for one another. Oh.